shotglassdigital.com. This episode of Geek Out Loud, we're going Derek-less, but we're going live. We've got so much to talk about from Marvel to Star Wars and everything in between. This is your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud podcast. everyone and welcome to geek out loud this is your safe place to geek out it is the uh you know what we were the first place before the nerdist ever showed his face online we were the ones who said hey let's just be positive about everything let's just have a good time let's enjoy ourselves that's right i just called out the freaking nerdist that's the mood i'm in my name's steve glosson so glad to be along with you derek is not with me on this particular episode but uh, don't worry We'll be together soon. We're going to make some things happen. This is what we call an old school goal. Old goal is what we call it. It's me sitting here at a mic by myself talking about the things that I'm geeking out about. And you may be surprised at some stuff. There's a, there is Old Steve has turned around on some of his opinions of some things. Now, I'm having a hard time working up some of the passion that I used to have for some stuff. But at the same time... I am I am on board with a lot of things that I was not originally on board with. I'm excited about some things that I really didn't even know that really kind of flew under my radar. And I have some speculations. I do. I have some speculations about some things. So we're going to get right into it. And uh, before we do, I want to let everyone know if you're listening to this show, you need to be listening to, I won't say need, but I would really like for you to be listening to The Big Honkin' Show. <laughs> now, The Big Honkin' Show, I try to do live every day. In fact, right now, I'm doing Geek Out Loud Live with a group I call the Mixler Zoo Crew. We go live at mixler.com slash Show, And we have a whole great group of folks that tune in live practically every day, every time we do it. And uh, we do the Big Honkin' Show, and what I do on the Big Honkin' Show is is thanks to a good friend of mine, Jimmy and Georgie, I call him our remote producer and content provider. Uh, we just go through some crazy news stories. I just talk about life. I always try to not talk geeky stuff on the old Big, big Honkin' Show because I feel like, um, <clears throat> well, I, I feel like that's not the place for it. I feel like this is the place for it. So... Uh, if you if you if you're so inclined, head over to iTunes and find it, BigHonkinShow.com, or head over to um, 
Wait a minute. Head over to iTunes and find it. Search Big Honkin' Show. Stupid Steve. Or head over to BigHonkinShow.com and it's there. You can find the RSS feed and everything. And we'd love to have you listen to us. We've got some big things in the work for the Big Honkin' Show uh, down the road. And I'm really excited about it. Let me give you a taste really quickly of some of the antics you'll get on the Big Honkin' Show. One of, the, one of my great joys in life with the Big Honkin' Show is the fan... And oh my Lanta, I am so sorry. You guys, I, I apologize to everyone right now on the zoo crew. I apologize to everyone listening. <clears throat> Not fan, listener. Listener interaction. We've got a lot of listener interaction and created content, listener created content that comes to the Big Honkin Show. One of the things we get obsessed about on the Big Honkin Show is Bigfoot, or not we, I. I get obsessed about Bigfoot. And several years ago, when the Big Honkin' Show first started, there was a story going around from a guy, about a guy in, uh, somewhere in the Carolinas. And he swore that Bigfoot came up on his property, was messing with his dogs. He said things like this. He had beautiful hair. And, um, and so we talked about that, had a good time. And at one point in the thing, he talked about having a stick. Or we talked, we talked about the stick that he had, and he was just kind of pointing it at the old Bigfoot that he said he saw, the Sasquatch, if you will. And our good friend Jimmy in Georgia uh, came up with this particular little bit that we play as a commercial uh, when I take a break on the show. Are you fed up with those annoying Bigfoot? This thing was 10 foot tall. He had beautiful hair. I thought he was going to kill my little Save time and money with Sasquatch Stick. The Sasquatch Stick is a revolutionary device that rids your property of those problem Bigfoot. I come out here and rough talk him and run him off. Our product's been successfully used by tens of thousands of people and been positively reviewed on nationwide news programs. I go up here, this stick, he was standing right there. And I said, get away from here. Get. Get. If you're not 100% satisfied, you'll get your money back guaranteed. Works on most mythic beasts, real or imagined. And he went right back out that path again. Others may cost you $100, but for four easy payments of $19.95, this Sasquatch chick can be yours. Limited time offer, not available in stores. So that's one of the things, and that's been around for a long time on the Big Honkin' Show. More recently, we've had a lot of people send in some things. Our good friend Michael Cohen sent in another Sasquatch-themed ad about Vidal Sasquatch. You're going to have to tune in the Big Honkin' Show to hear that one. Uh, but then there's this cat named Daniel and Indy who has sent in a few things. And the other day, uh, we got this from him. Coming soon to Kenner, the new Play It Out Loud line of toys. You can be the amazing Big Honkin'. I'd be glad that. Become your favorite heroes. Mano, mano, mano. Superman, Superman, Superman! Hello, lady. Act out your favorite adventures. Oh, no, the lady, the winner! Kenna's Play It Out Loud. Buck Thompson, Bigfoot, and Edna Playset sewed separately. Now you have the power of the Gulliverse in your hands. Now, we have Daniel and Indy in the chat, and I need him to remind me what his child is saying in that. I know, of course, we all hear the, hello, ladies. Um, and, and I need him to remind me what his kid said. If, you've got to listen to the Big Honkin' Show because there are a lot of Big Honkin' Show inside jokes in that thing. We get the Mondo, 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 Superman, Superman, Superman. Totally get that. Totally get what that's from. Um, but there were some other things he said 
that I, I can't make out. And, uh, and it's just hilarious. And it was so cool to, for him to say, and it play out loud. It's like, that's, we've got, uh, we've got an old Goliverse right now. <clears throat> um, we've got, uh, Mark out loud, which is our wrestling arm mole. We've got, um, rock out loud, which is roll. And, uh, we've got, know what I'm saying, which is quiz. But now he, he said play out loud and uh, <laughs> I'm thinking, should we do a toy podcast called Pole? I don't know. Uh, one of the things the kid said is, I'm Steve Gloss, and of course, the Mondo Mondo, uh, which a lot of you will get from listening to the show for a while, and Superman, Superman, Superman. Um, and, uh, and, and he said something at the end, oh no, the face in the window. That's another Geek Out Loud thing. So a lot of goal references. If you listen to Big Honkin' Show, you're going to get some Geek Out Loud references. You can't help it. They're all kind of interconnected. But one of the better commercials, not better, one of the more popular commercials that's come out of um, the Big Honkin' Show is this particular one by our good friend John Reed. John, uh, we were talking about, we were doing an article about a pastor who lay in wait for a robber at his church. And it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, he'd waited for the guy. The guy had broken in time a few times before. And so he waited on the guy and then took him down. And I just made a comment that, you know, this guy was like Batman. Can you imagine? And then we went off on Batman, you know, doing a sermon and preaching, that sort of thing. And we get this from John Reed. It's the story of a beginning. Then came the darkness. At last, a hero will rise. Experience the Bible like never before with the Christian Bale Audio Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. The Christian Bale Audio Bible also features a special guest appearance by actor Tom Hardy as Bane. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You've never heard the Bible like this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The Christian Bale Audio Bible comes packaged with a series of studies and commentaries designed to help you apply the Word of God to your life and ask the difficult questions we all face. Titles of the studies include Why Do We Fall? Becoming More Than Just a Man and Climbing Out of the Pit. This is the audio Bible that every hardcore Christian, Baal fan, needs. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, 
God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore, swear to me, here by God, that you will not deal falsely with me, or with my descendants. It's the audio Bible you deserve, and the one you need right now. So that's our good friend John Reed has produced that, and a lot of people really dug that. It's become uh, one of the more famous things from the Big Honkin' Show. My point is this. Head over to BigHonkinShow.com. Check it out. If you listen to Geek Out Loud, I think you'll enjoy it. And if you're ever, follow, that, follow that show on Twitter, Twitter.com slash BigHonkinShow. And if you're ever able to join us live at Mixer.com slash BigHonkinShow, please do. We have a great time. There's some great people in the community and what we call the Mixler Zoo Crew uh, checking out everything that, that we do. And they keep the conversation going. They distract me and derail me. And everybody loves Steve getting derailed. So... Um, so there you go. I'd love for you to check that out. Also, we're a proud member. The Geek Out Loud podcast is a proud member of Shot Glass Digital. Shot Glass Digital uh, Radio has all kinds of content over there. Head over to shotglassdigital.com. Check it out. And you'll notice if you subscribe to Geek Out Loud, you've gotten a lot of different podcasts in your feed. I mentioned them earlier. Mark Out Loud, that's our wrestling show. Rock Out Loud, that's our rock and roll show. And know what I'm saying? That's our... It's kind of uncomfortable to listen to sometimes, show. <laughs> but uh, but trying to build a mini network, and all of these shows have their own uh, podcast feed. So if you like one and you don't really like the rest of the stuff we do on Geek Out Loud, go ahead and subscribe to Mark Out Loud. Go ahead and subscribe to Rock Out Loud. Go ahead and subscribe to Know What I'm Saying. And uh, and then go and write write a review for us. Rate us on iTunes. And help, help get the word out about about the the geek out loud network let people know about it i I think what we've got going is a really good thing and i think that um that the more people know about it the more we build community the more uh people come into our safe haven to geek out the funner it will be The only March madness I care about, well, it's not March anymore, it's April, but the only madness in March that I did care about is, uh, is winding down as, uh, man, we have hit some big stuff over at the This Is Madness tournament at StarWars.com. You can check it out at ThisIsMadness.StarWars.com. I, I really dig this because I always feel whenever I'm watching sports stuff, I have no idea... Uh, how to analyze it properly and how to really talk properly about properly at all, but about sports. And um, when you have a bracket set up with nothing but Star Wars characters, shoot, I can totally talk that mess all day long. We are in uh, the the Big Eight now, as uh, as we're ri- rolling down. Wow, why can I not talk? As we're winding down in this tournament, R two D two has uh, handled Wedge Antilles pretty. Uh, Handley with 73% of the vote to 27% of the vote. Uh, he then beat Princess Leia by 68% to 32%. Um, so it was a little bit closer with he and Leia. And now he finds himself locked in uh, a popularity contest with Obi-Wan Kenobi, who is leading uh, 73% to 20 to 27%. Now, Kenobi found himself with... Uh, with a with a tough bracket uh, from the get go, he started out against Luke Skywalker, which surprisingly enough to me, 
um, he won 65% to 35%. That really shocked me. Uh, then with the Yoda fight, not a fight, Yoda had beat Qui-Gon Jinn pretty handily, 71% to 29% of the vote. And, uh, and then he comes in, and this was an incredible thing to watch the other day as the standings change and as, and as this voting went on with Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi. 51% for Kenobi, 49% for Yoda, closest matchup on the board, and now it's uh, Obi-Wan and R2, and Obi-Wan is winning handily. Um, Han Solo yesterday, or the other day, Han Solo was pitted against his Wookiee co-pilot, Chewbacca. And surprisingly enough, he won 67% to 33%. I say surprisingly enough, I thought that one would be a close one too, but um, but it was not. It ended up you know, having pretty handily in Han's favor. I I was kind of I was I don't know I wasn't really surprised by that. This is usually Uber fans that are voting on this thing. Down on the dark side, no real surprises. Tarkin won in his first round against Admiral Piet. Uh, General Grievous beat out Asajj Ventress, and uh, now it's Grievous versus Fett. Fett, who beat um, Greedo Boba Fett, beat Greedo in the first round, and then beat Jango Fett in the second round, seventy uh, percent to thirty percent. Um, Vader beat Darth Maul pretty easily. He beat Palpatine pretty, very much easy, easier than he beat uh, Darth Maul. And the next matchup he'll have is against Jabba the Hutt, who beat <coughs> Hutt, who beat um, Salacious Crumb, and no surprise beat, wow, Pre Vizsla, that was closer than I thought, 53% to 47% for Jabba in the Jabba versus Pre Vizsla matchup. So big things coming down. It, it's... It's interesting. I really, I caught it on Rebel Force Radio the other day. I really expected Yoda to come on and take this whole thing again. Um, it's looking, it's probably going to be because the next match that Han Solo has is Captain Rex. We're going to get voting for Obi-Wan Kenobi versus Han Solo. I imagine we'll probably get Boba Fett uh, versus Darth Vader because Fett's ahead of Grievous right now, 65% to 35% of the vote. Fett versus Vader is going to be interesting to see. I, I'm wondering if that's going to be as close, but I think that I think that Vader will probably win out over Boba Fett, and uh, it'll be an interesting matchup. I'm I'm predicting it'll be uh, Han Solo versus uh, versus Darth Vader. Now it would be cool to get Han Solo versus Boba Fett, but it'll probably be Han Solo versus Vader. And at the end of that day, I think Vader wins it all. I think this year we get a dark side win from Vader. That that's, you know, that's just me, that's my opinion. I've been wrong. If I had to pick these brackets, I would uh, I would not win the billion dollars. Not that these are the billion dollar brackets, but I would have been I would have been I, I would have been wrong on on some of these things. I would have picked um I would have picked uh Yoda over Kenobi. Um I would have picked Luke Skywalker over uh over I'm sorry. Yeah, Yoda over Kenobi. I would put Luke Skywalker over Kenobi. Um, I would have picked. Um, well, on the dark side, I'm not really surprised by anything that's that's gone down thus far. So I, I would have been right on the dark side all the way down. But we'll see how it turns out. I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm uh, I'm really I'm really digging. I dig this thing, and I and and I'm really looking forward to it next year already. It's one of those things like oh, that'd be cool. That's gonna be cool to jump into that next year. It'll be good stuff. It'll be good times. It'll be really sweet. Sweet stuff. Sweet kids. Um, Well, with that being said, let's jump into some emails. Oh, yes, my 
All right, in the uh, kind of a backhanded compliment, but glad you're here uh, category, um, Andy writes in and says, okay, long email, grab some popcorn, a few drinks, probably a catheter. Just go ahead and schedule a haircut for when you're done reading this. The first time I heard Steve uh, was, of course, on the Forcecast when Jimmy and Jason were still the hosts. Now, let me preface by saying I'm an Arkansan, but not by birth. And as a kid, I never really noticed people's accents here in the U.S. until I participated in some state events and heard kids from other states were seriously asking Arkansas delegates, kids, mind you, if we wore shoes and stupid stuff like that. Ever since then, I cringe when I hear a southern voice on the air because I remember how the perception of Arkansas in the South uh, is that we can be dumb or is that we be dumb. Then along comes Big Honk and Steve Glosson. I rolled my eyes and thought, oh, God, there goes the neighborhood. I remember listening to the show thinking, just make it stop. Thanks, Andy. You're such a good guy. I appreciate you telling me all of this. You know, this is, this is the kind of stuff that I really enjoy, the emails that I really enjoy getting from people, just how much they hate listening to me. <laughs> he goes on to say, eventually life went on. I don't remember if you were on again before celebration or not because my timeline is all jacked up in my head. My TARDIS has been wonky lately. What I remember about the RFR, Forcecast, whichever one it was at the time, is that Steve Glosson was going to hold what was essentially a church service on the Sunday of celebration. I was thinking to myself, what? Are you kidding me? That's a cool idea. What I remember of the next show, maybe a roundtable you were on, was, my goodness, that what was I thinking before? This guy's hilarious. I laughed and laughed, pulled over and laughed some more. Wow, well, thank you. Andy, glad you could get past my southern accent. Finally, and I don't know why, I sought out Geek Out Loud podcast last year. But the latest show had to do with Thor The Dark World, and I hadn't watched it yet, so I waited. Anyway, since then I've caught every Geek Out Loud show and went back to the Thor episode. Wow. Sorry for those earlier ones, buddy. And have loved what you and Derek do on the show. I love the intro music and the remixes you run at the end. We're about the same age, and I grew up with a lot of the same influences, minus the wrestling I quit watching in the late 80s. So I relate to nearly everything you guys are talking about. Anyway, before you think I only said of this to slyly dish you somehow, I said all this to say you've won me over. You have a fabulous show, and I can't wait for the next. I eagerly hit the refresh button, waiting, button, I'm sorry, waiting for new shows. Keep up the great work. Well, Andy, thanks so much, and I appreciate the fact that, that I somehow won you over. I'm not sure what it was. Uh, I feel like my dulcet tones tend to, uh, tend to lull people into a into a nice, calm, centered place. You know, I know especially um, the ladies I hear from all the time. I'm just kidding, by the way. So, but thanks, Andy. I really appreciate it. And I and I don't take it as a backhanded compliment or a slide diss. I, I'm glad I won you over. And I hope you stay with us. And I hope to hear some of your uh, thoughts and impressions on the things that we talk about here on the show. Mark writes in. He says, Steve... Listening to the most recent show, you're a bit confused on the upcoming fate of Darth Maul. No, Mark, you're a bit confused. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am a bit confused. His story arc is about to be wrapped up in a four-issue Dark Horse comic that'll be starting up in the next couple of months. It's one of the last Star Wars titles that Dark Horse will produce. The story about why a comic miniseries is that once the Clone Wars was canceled, the Darth Maul story arc was way down the pipeline and possibly season seven and wasn't in a position to be finished and released as one of the upcoming, quote, lost episodes, unquote. Fin instead, or I'm sorry, this is geek out loud. i got to use my quote fingers. 
<clears throat> and wasn't in a position to be finished and released as one of the upcoming Dink Dink Lost episodes. Instead of letting this loose thread of a story arc get left behind, Dave Filoni gave Dark Horse everything they had story-wise, and they decided to at least be able to give the fans closure in this arc via a comic miniseries. Maul most likely would not be making an appearance in any other Star Wars show or movie once the storyline is wrapped up with the upcoming comic books. Take care. Mark, I had known about this, but I had misunderstood an article that I saw. A lot of times with news articles, I just read the headlines. And what I saw was there had been some confusion about that being the proper series finale, that particular arc. And so I thought it meant that it had nothing to do with the real plan for the Clone Wars. And it was some more of this EU mess that doesn't really matter. Then I read the article fully and found out that, yes, indeed, everything you said was right. They turned over not just the scripts and everything. They turned over character models and everything else so that the look and the feel of the Dark Horse comic would not be that far removed from Clone Wars. So I'm definitely going to want to seek that out and kind of see what they decide the final fate of Darth Maul is. Because I think of all the things with the Clone Wars that I'm disappointed about coming to an end, it's this Darth Maul thing that was kind of left hanging there at the end of Season 5. We'll talk more about Clone Wars momentarily. Christopher Lutz says, Hey guys, what's your opinion of the current 3D movie trend? I've seen Episode 1, Jurassic Park, Iron Man 3, Star Trek Into Darkness into 3D, and I'm kind of over it now. I thought 3D, cool, 3D was cool to see and very well done, but you quickly got used to it, and I forgot I was seeing a 3D movie. I really think it's a fad that ultimately does not add very much to the experience of movie going. What about you guys? I'm not sure. I know that for a while... I know that for a while, it seemed like this is the way everything was going. The whole 3D thing. And I was not for it. I wear glasses most of the time. Sometimes I wear contacts. Most of the time, I wear glasses. And so to go to a movie, a 3D movie, and watch, you know, with the glasses over the glasses is kind of cumbersome. And I feel stupid. But, um... And it never does anything for me. I, I feel like 3D is best used when, because they went this whole route of the depth of it. You know, the whole you're in the universe and it's there and it's the depth of everything and you can see off into the distance and it feels like everything is real, almost like you're looking into a solarium, I guess. I like 3D when things are popping out at you and make you jump. You know, I like it when you when it when your mind plays the tricks and that's what. Well, this isn't just tricks and nonsense. Well, give me tricks and nonsense. That's kind of what I want. But I've there hasn't been a movie-going experience I've had in 3D that enhanced it for me. Um, and there are moments in some movies where I could tell this is 3D, you know, that this was meant to be in 3D. There's a moment in Tron Legacy where Tron, where, uh, where I, I could tell this was definitely a, a 3D thing. Avatar was one of the first big ones to really push this thing. I don't know if everyone knows my feelings on Avatar or not. I am anti-Avatar. I say that Avatar was just Ernest Goes to Camp, only not funny. So there you go. There that is. And I believe I stick to it. I stick, I stick to my guns on Avatar in 3D. I, I hope that 
I hope that this trend is going away. It seems like it may be a little bit. I don't hear a lot of things being really pushed in 3D anymore when when I'm watching the old uh, the old trailers and stuff. But I think Sp Amazing Spider-Man may be in the 3D. I don't know. Could someone could someone in the chat get on that for me? Is there any uh, is there what what big movies this summer are in 3D? Is Transformers four in 3D, or um, or is Amazing Spider-Man in 3D, etc., etc. Uh, I can't think of anything. I don't think Captain America's in 3D. Captain America: The Winter Soldier. I don't. I don't think Cap Two is in. Godzilla's in 3D. Well, maybe it's not going away. I think the whole idea is um, is you end up with more people think it's about ticket sales and and more ticket money. I don't know. I don't know. Thanks, Jimmy in Georgia. Jimmy in Georgia, our remote producer and content provider for the Big Honkin' Show, has given us this link. It's, uh, this link. it's boxoffice.com, 3D release calendar. Uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, um, Island of Lemurs, Madagascar. There's another Madagascar movie, or is that just a short? I don't know. Um, or maybe that's like a just a nature thing at IMAX. Uh, Rio 2, wow, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Legends of Oz, Dorothy's Return, Godzilla, X-Men, wow, that's going to be in 3D, Maleficent, is Maleficent, listen, I saw a trailer for Maleficent at the last movie, we went and saw The Muppets Most Wanted, and, and I'm not going to talk about that until Derek's able to be on with us, but um, is Maleficent, are they trying to make her out to be a good guy in this thing, are they trying to wicked that up, I don't like that idea. How to Train Your Dragon 2, Transformers, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Okay, so maybe it's not a trend. Maybe it's not going away. But I wish it would. I really do. I'm not a fan of 3D. I don't really, I don't really like what's happening there. But that that's answer, hopefully that answers your question. Um John sends in a, a an email that is for Rock Out Loud, so I'm sorry, I'm going to have to skip that one. This one comes from uh, our friend Jake, R2Jake2. Uh, he says, um, I know you've got a lot going on with your plethora of podcasts, but boy do I miss seeing a new Geek Out Loud episode pop up in my podcast app. With all the news about Godzilla, my most anticipated movie of the year, he says, Spider-Man, Captain America, Guardians, the lack of Star Wars news, frowny face, I am itching to hear... Uh, your thoughts on all things entertainment. Particularly, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Lost Missions. I may have heard this on uh, Rebel Force Radio, but this too occurred to me as I was watching the episode. The four arcs, particularly the fives and Yoda arcs, seem to be a series of episodes that could be considered direct sequels to Attack of the Clones. The direct ties to episode one and two and the revelations in the Yoda arc that foreshadow the future justify the outcome of the prequels and further validates the wonderful storytelling of the Star Wars universe. As far as Rebels go, I too share your doubt on how the series is being approached. A part of me feels like the series will deliver as it develops. However, my particular problem with this is the lack of familiar faces, and I do hope these new characters can hold their own. Given the death of Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi, spoiler alert, Jake, we will obviously not be seeing him in the new trilogy. So I think Rebels will be the perfect platform to display the legacy of the mighty Darth Vader, even if it is just to gradually... Actually, no, I take that back. I wish the Rebels would grow into a Vader villain-centric series. The younger generations and ourselves got a wonderful opportunity to see the hero Anakin play in, in, a plenty, in plenty six seasons... Uh, in, a, in plenty of six... I'm sorry. <clears throat> I don't understand this sentence. The younger generations and ourselves got a wonderful opportunity to see the hero Anakin 
through six seasons of Clone Wars, and I think it's about time to see him in action from the other end of the spectrum. Villains like Tarkin would also bring intensity to the Empire to viewers that we are all familiar with from the original trilogy. If they want to make this show authentic, this is how it needs to be done. With all that said, I'll be withholding judgment until, I'm, until I watch the first few episodes because, as we've seen in the past, Lucasfilm does listen to fans. Um, here, I, I'm going to talk about Rebels in a minute, and I'm definitely going to talk about the Clone Wars stuff in a second. I, I do want to say this. I don't think we need... I like the fact that we're getting new characters. I wish the new characters weren't necessarily carbon copies of the characters that we love from the original trilogy. They, I mean, they're they're definitely archetypes, and I understand that, but it just seems it seems a little too easy to go with this style of characters. Now, having said that, I understand not having Darth Vader be the villain because what you want to see is you need the Inquisitor's got to be someone who can lose. At this point, I don't think Darth Vader needs to be someone who can lose. And if Darth Vader's your main villain and he's losing to these to this ragtag group of people, then that takes away from him in Star Wars and in Empire. I do think Vader needs to be around. I've not even thought about Tarkin until I read this email. And I think that Tarkin does need to be a present some in this series because he is a big player in Star Wars. And I think that with this just being a few years out from Star Wars, as we know it, the, the, the original Star Wars, then, then I think that what you've got to have are players who were big players in the original Star Wars. You know, I don't know that we need to see... Um, I don't know... I don't know that we need to see the Emperor so much. I don't know that we need to see Vader so much, even though I would love to. I think Vader would be great for a, a series finale, series premiere, kind of, or season finale, season premiere kind of thing. The other thing is, is the Disney model of doing animated series is a lot different from what the Lucasfilm model of doing animated series was. Lucasfilm <clears throat> had, I mean, let's face it, Clone Wars had stuff apparently up into season seven written and and maybe even some of it recorded disney they'll go for three seasons with something they'll get it i think what disney tries to do is get enough episodes for some type of syndication maybe and then uh and then boom they're like all right we're going to go on to something else now so i don't know what the life of this series is going to be either I don't know that we're going to get to go as deep as some of the stuff we got to go to in the Clone Wars. I just don't know. And that's some of my reservations about it. You can't forget that until last October or October a year and a half ago, you can't forget that, that Lucasfilm was an independent company. That all six Star Wars films were independent films. You can't forget that. You can't let that go. And no longer is that true. And so now they're not operating under the banner of George Lucas and his creativity. They're going to be operating under the banner of Disney and the way Disney wants to do business. Cohen says it best in the chat. If Vader's a villain, he'll get watered down like Grievous did in season one of Clone Wars. And I think that's the case. I think that's why you need to save Vader for, for episodes where it's going to be huge for him to come, to come in. Um, I think that Tarkin can be portrayed very well in the Clone Wars with or in the Rebels rather without watering him down. And I think that um 
it has potential. I trust Dave Filoni. I trust what he's doing. I like the look and the design of these things. And from everything that that I've heard from people, is it's really going to be a solid show. I'm just I'm looking now at the longevity of it. And after we got what we got with like season six of the Clone Wars, my Atlanta season six of the Clone Wars. I just can't see it being something that it. I don't know. It just depends on what kind of feet they give this thing. Finally, an interesting question from Michael, who says, I like the discussion started on the Big Honkin' Show. What about throwing one-shots in the mix? What order do you guys go for them? And what he's talking about is the Marvel Universe viewing order. I'd said the other week, I was thinking about re-watching all the Marvel movies and what order, and I asked something about what order do I need to watch them in. With the Marvel movies, I like to do it this way. I like to go Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, because those two kind of take place similar at the same time. You can even go Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Incredible Hulk if you want to. Then, of course, Thor, then Captain America. Now, you can watch Captain America first, you see, and then Iron Man, and then, and then of course, Avengers, and Iron Man 3, then Thor 2. But these one-shots are really interesting because you have... Uh, I can't think of all of them, so bear with me while I try to go through some of these one-shots that are on there. You have a funny thing happen on the way to New Mexico or whatever it's called. That takes place literally during Iron Man 2. The Consultant takes place literally... Uh, maybe that takes place a little bit after Hulk. So I would I would go... I don't know. See that... The, the consultant actually tells the story of why Stark ended up in that bar in Incredible Hulk. But it takes place... So what you might want to do is is end the movie, The Incredible Hulk, when Bruce Banner opens his eyes and smiles, then cut to the consultant <laughs> and watch that particular button they put on the end of that movie. Then, then um, watch Iron Man 2... And after he leaves Tony and says he's going to New Mexico, it's it's a land of enchantment, you pause Iron Man 2, put in a funny thing happened on the way to New Mexico, and then you continue on with that and Thor, and then you watch Captain America if you hadn't watched it first, then you watch the Avengers, and then you watch the one shot that took place after the Avengers, which I don't remember the title. <sighs> Then you watch Iron Man 3. What was the one shot on the Iron Man 3 Blu-ray? Oh, wait a minute. No. You've got to go all the way back. If you're going to do Captain America first, you've got to watch the one shot, the Agent Carter one shot, that's on the Iron Man 3 DVD. All right, let me start over. Let's pretend we're going to watch Captain America first. All right? Let's pretend we're going to watch Captain America first. I need something. I've got to write this down as I'm doing this. All right? So you want to watch Captain America first. Oh, Cap. Then you want to watch the Agent Carter one-shot that's on the uh, the Iron Man 3 DVD Blu-ray. Then Iron Man, okay? Then you can go either Iron Man 2 or Hulk, okay? But if you're going to watch Iron Man 2, you pause it in the middle and watch A Strange Thing Happened or A Funny Thing Happened on the way to New Mexico or whatever that's called. If you're watching the Hulk, pause the Hulk... Right as Bruce Banner opens his eyes, okay, and then you put in the consultant, 
which is the Marvel one-shot, all right? Then you watch Thor. Then you go into the Avengers. Then, wait, no, you've got to watch Hulk before you watch Iron Man 2 then. Gee whiz. Watch Hulk before you watch Iron Man 2. Then watch, okay, let's start up. <laughs> All right, hold on. Hold on. <clears throat> let me, let me, let me start over one more time. And I'll try to, instead of, and instead of doing this in my voice, I will do this um, as John C. Riley. <clears throat> First, you want to watch Captain America, okay? And after Captain America, watch the one-shot Agent Carter, okay? Okay, why am I going there? All right, then, sorry, let's just go. All right, Captain America, then the one-shot Agent Carter. Iron Man, then you watch The Incredible Hulk, all right? Once you, when you're watching The Incredible Hulk, you stop that movie right after Bruce Banner opens his eyes. Then you watch The Consultant. Then you watch Iron Man 2, and you pause that movie when Coulson leaves, and you cut to the a funny thing happened on the way to New Mexico. Then you complete Iron Man 2. Then you watch Thor. Then you watch The Avengers. After Avengers, you watch the one shot called Item 47. I saw that in the chat. Thank you so much for helping me. Then you watch um, Iron Man 3. Then you watch the one shot that's on the Thor DVD, and I can't think of what that is. And then you watch Thor 2. And then you watch Guardians of the Galaxy. Done. Done and donezo. Oh, wait a minute. Then you watch Thor 2. Then you watch, I'm sorry. Then you watch Captain America. Then you watch Guardians of the Galaxy. My B. My B. All right. <clears throat> there we go. That's the order. <laughs> that was harder than I thought it would be. And uh, but we did it, we did it, we did it. Speaking of Marvel stuff, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk a little bit of Marvel stuff. Really quickly, um, item 47 comes after the Avengers. I said that. All right. Now, guys, I'm not ready to say if you're not watching, go out and watch Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm not ready to say that yet, but I'm close. They got me. Last night, at the time of this recording, the most recent episode got me. I'm not super invested in anybody. I'm not all stoked. I'm not like, yay, cheering. But they got me. I still don't know everybody's name. I know, okay, I know Colson. I know Sky. I know Agent May. I don't know the difference between Fitz and Simmons, and I don't know the, the good-looking guy's name. I don't know Bill Paxton's name outside of Bill Paxton, and I wish he would say game over, man, at some point. Game over. Um, <clears throat> but what they've done, what they've now set up, is apparently tying directly into Captain America 2, the Winter Soldier coming out. In fact, no. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, spoiler alert. I'm just going to go ahead and spoil the mess out of some stuff for you. 
they've tied directly into Captain America too. On on this episode, on this most recent episode, someone mentioned to Coulson that uh, that Fury is back, and Coulson says it's about dang time. Well, you know how they do a little coda after the the episode proper is over. Well, they the coda for this was literally uh, Nick Fury driving down the road in Washington. He was in some kind of car chase or New York. He was some kind of um, he was in some kind of car chase and uh, getting lit up by the police for some reason. It cuts into his vehicle, his big black suburban vehicle. And he says, uh, get me off the grid now. And the vehicle speaks back to him a la Kit and says, finding a safe house, finding a safe location. He looks up and there standing in the middle of the road is the Winter Soldier. It's that scene we've seen from the trailers for Captain America. And he shoots a little magnetic blowy-uppy thing up under the truck. It magnetizes up to Samuel L. Jackson or Nick Fury's truck, blows him up, and it ends with him with, with uh, the Winter Soldier walking over to Nick Fury to potentially do some damage, all right? All that being said, um, they, they then showed a preview for what's coming up, and the whole idea is, is S.H.I.E.L.D. is under siege, apparently, from the inside out. Someone told me they were they were speculating based on what was done in Marvel's Secret Warriors a couple of a couple of years back that they think that Hydra is still around and they may be taken over. Now I have called in my own mind in my own head since I first saw this woman. There's that lady that's the Shield agent that's kind of Coulson's boss, but not really. She's got long dark hair and she wears glasses. She is either going to end up being Madame Hydra or Viper. Who is Madame Hydra? You might ask. Well, Madame Hydra. Leads Hydra, kinda. Who is Viper? She's like this terrorist bad guy chick. Sorry to be so masculine or so misogynistic and use the term chick, but I've been calling it, and I've been, you know, and I'm like, well, that's who she looks like. She looks more like Viper, or she looks more like she can end up being Madame Hydra than she needs to be Shield. And she's been kind of really standoffishy and not so much a helpy person this whole time. Those words, standoffishy and helpy. Look them up. They're really good words to use. Incorporate them into your vocabulary. It'll help you out down the road. (laughs) Deathlock is a disappointment to me, not because of his look necessarily, but because of what a strange character to include. Um, Deathlock was kind of big in the 90s. He was, he's a cyborg assassin. Um, they did a really cool thing, a la what they did with Cyborg on Smallville back in the episode Cyborg, where they got an x-ray shot of him and he looked just like Deathlock from the comics. Um, but they keep building on to him and they keep making him more and more cyborgy. That's another word, cyborgy. Borg, borg, borgy. Uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, and, but they're, diff- they're, they're building to it and... I think Deathlock actually ends up being a good guy in the comics. I mean, he's more of a mercenary, but I think he ends up being a good guy. And this dude would be a good guy if he can just get that one person out of his head. So I think that, um, I really think that, oh my, Lanta. I'm sorry, Alicia in the chat says, I'm the Viper. I'm here to vipe your windows. Alicia, please tell me that's a G.I. Joe reference. Please tell me, because that is... One of the big things um, 
Okay, that is that is like one of my biggest memories from G.I. Joe is this whole episode where the Viper was calling and letting them know where he'd be, and they'd show up, and it was like someone uh, uh, with Cobra Commander, or the Cobra was showing up. They'd show up where Cobra was and just stop, stop code, stop Cobra, stop Cobra. Why can I not talk, son of a monkey? Um, they they would show up and stop Cobra because like and it seemed like there was someone doing an inside job. Well, at the end, it ends up being this little old man with an axe, and he's like, "I'm the Viper. I'm here to vipe your windows," and they all laugh. And you know, now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Uh, GI Joe. I say all that to say this: I've turned the corner on Agents of Shield. I'm not invested in any of these characters. Any of them can die at any time, except Coulson, because I feel like that'd be a little redundant at this point. But if the if the intrigue and it's going to stress me out as much as I think it's going to stress me out gets kind of raised up, then I'll be on board. I, I think if you're going to get invested in the show, you need to go back. You need to watch the pilot, which isn't the greatest, okay? There's a few episodes with this underlying mythology that's kind of come around and they've kind of put to the forefront now. So I don't really know where to tell you to start because I'm not even sure what episode we're on. But we're obviously headed into a season finale. And I hope it's pretty good. So um, Andy in the chat, he's a big uh, fan of of S.H.I.E.L.D. So he may be able to recommend better. He says, watch Pilot, then the 10th and 11th episode and forward from there. So uh, that's... I think you could trust that. Andy's up on S.H.I.E.L.D. He's a big fan of S.H.I.E.L.D. So check out the pilot. Check out the 10th episode of the first season, the 11th episode of the season, and go from there. Um, and I am and I think you can take his advice for that. Now, look, the people on the show are pretty. Uh, oh, Andy's a S.H.I.E.L.D. podcaster as well. He podcasts about the show S.H.I.E.L.D. So uh, that's that's why he knows it so good. So pilot, then 10 and on, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um is that right, Andy? Go ahead and, and clear that up in the chat. I'm just saying I've turned the corner. And if they do what I think they're going to do, then it's going to be some good stuff. It's And i tell you what this episode did for me. It really ramped up me looking forward to Captain America because obviously whatever happens in Captain America Winter Soldier is going to have some some pretty big ramifications on the on the rest of this season on in through the rest of the show. Now, understand that we've got... The summer hiatus coming up. You'll have the fall sweeps. You'll have the, the season premiere in the fall. You could very well have a season two of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. end leading straight into Avengers 2 next year. And they may just do that. Obviously, there'll be some tie-ins and stuff. So it, it could be it could be really cool and interesting to see what happens. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. With uh, with this show and with these properties, so it's pretty good. But now let me tell you what I'm more when it comes to Marvel properties. Let me tell you what I'm more excited about than Marvel Agents of Shield. Excuse me while I take a sip of water. Netflix announced a while back, and we've talked about this a little bit that they're going to be doing some Netflix exclusive series: Daredevil, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and Jessica Drew. Now Jessica Drew is uh, Spider-Woman, basically. And I don't know that they're going to call her Spider-Woman. I guess they might just call her Jessica Drew. Uh, right now, Michael C. Hall, who played Dexter, Jessica Jones? Did I say Jessica Drew? I'm sorry. Are you sure? Wait a minute. I'm done. Hold on. Let me make sure that this is right. I'm going to check this out because I double-checked before I came on. Why do I say, Who is Jessica Drew? 
uh, people. Help me out here. I'm about to. Uh, I'm about to figure out what I've figured out. All right, here we go. <clears throat> this is from Marvel.com. Walt Disney Company. Netflix announced an unprecedented deal for Marvel TV to bring multiple original series of live-action adventures of four of Marvel's most popular characters exclusively to the world's leading... Inter okay, blah, blah, blah. Uh, led by a series focused on Daredevil, followed by Jessica Jones. Yeah, Jessica Jones is Spider-Woman. Jessica Jones was the original Spider-Woman. I'm telling you. Unless I'm just dead wrong here. I'm pretty sure... That uh, that she was the original Spider Woman. Jessica Jones. She Jessica emerged from her coma around the time Fantastic Four first encountered Galactus. She's a Secret Avengers. Jessica. Well, now wait a minute. Now who was the original Spider Woman then? It was I. Was I right with uh, just saying Jessica Drew? Why are there so many Jessicas in the Marvel Universe? It's not like it's a um. It's not like it's doing some on-the-fly stuff here. Spider-Woman. Spider-Woman, Spider-Woman. Jessica Drew. Okay, thank you. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm got it figured out now. All right, Jessica Jones. Let's read up on Jessica Jones, because apparently I don't know much about Jessica Jones, ladies and gentlemen. So, really quickly, let's, let's all learn together. <laughs> This is Jessica Jones. <clears throat> Jessica Jones was a normal woman until a car accident doused her with chemicals and put her into a coma. She had attended high school with Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man, and they had shared several classes together. It was only years later, after, she, after he revealed his identity to the Secret Avengers and her, that she told him that she had had a crush on him. This made her husband, Luke Cage, a little jealous. She also had a crush on the Human Torch when she was younger, like any girl would. Jessica emerged from her coma around the same time the Fantastic Four first encountered Galactus, in events in which tremendous energies were given off. After her recovery, Jessica discovered that she had developed superhuman powers. She attempted to become a superheroine, calling herself Jewel, but didn't have much success. While trying out her powers, she accidentally crash-landed on the Scorpion, who was robbing a laundromat. This was enough to stun him so he could be apprehended. Jessica was captured by the Purple Man... That's a real person, and kept prisoner for eight months, though never used for. Wow, really? She was eventually sent back to the red costumed, sent to attack the red costumed daredevil at wherever the costume frat boys hang out, quote, and kill anyone who got in the way. After a newspaper report angered Kilgrave, Jessica became disoriented once she was out of range of the pheromones produced by Kilgrave. Kilgrave is the purple man. Having been under his control for so long, she was still focused on her mission. She ended up attacking the Scarlet Witch because her costume was red. After hitting the Scarlet Witch, she snapped out of Kilgrave's control. Thinking the gathered Avengers and Defenders would attack her, Jessica ran away, but was found and nearly killed by the Vision and Iron Man. Jean Grey of the X-Men helped awaken Jessica from another coma. Coma girl. Na-na-na-na-na-na-na-coma <laughs> girl. Following several months of recovery, she was asked to join the Avengers as a S.H.I.E.L.D. liaison, but declined the offer. Still bitter about her experience, Jessica briefly became a hardened vigilante, calling herself Nitrous. Hmm, not nitrous like in nitrous oxide, but like K-N-I-G-H-T-R-E-S, nitrous. 
She soon retired as a superheroine and began a new career as a detective, specializing in a superhero activity. In one case, she succeeded in finding the missing Spider-Woman, Maddie Franklin. Maddie's boyfriend had been keeping her drugged and was using her as a source of superpowered genetic material to create the drug known as Mutant Growth Hormone, MGH. Her willingness to create to take cases involving her former colleagues is not always well received by the superhero community. She still assists other heroes from time to time and has a large number of contacts. So that's Jessica Jones. So that's the show. Oh, that'll be a cool show. That'll be a really cool show. Think about this. Um, you've got a show where, duh, comic girl. <laughs> comic girl, do you even comic bro? Uh, you've got a show where, where you've got a lady who's got some superpowers, but she is a private investigator, and she's investigating superpowered stuff. That's going to be really cool on Netflix. Now, also Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. Now, they're listed in the press release as Luke Cage and Iron Fist, not as one show, but two different shows. In the comics, Luke Cage and Iron Fist teamed up to be the heroes for hire. Luke Cage and Iron Fist, the heroes for hire. Iron Fist is going to have more of a kung fu type feel to it. It probably, most likely, because that's what he's from. Luke Cage uh, is in the heart of Hell's Kitchen, New York. He's going to be, you know, your gritty, you know, dude. And then there's Daredevil. And Daredevil, if you've seen Daredevil, you know Daredevil. He's the blind superhero with the various and sundry powers and whatnot. So, they're going to eventually bring these people together in a mini-series called The Defenders. Now sit down, children. I may have I may have screwed the pooch on old Jessica Drew Jessica Jones, but I know a thing or two about the Defenders. The Defenders was a comic series started up to be kind of like uh, the misfits of the Marvel superheroes teaming up together. The original members: Doctor Strange, Namor the Submariner, Silver Surfer, and did I say Submariner? I'm so sorry. What the <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me here. Let me show how stupid I can sound. Namor the Submariner, the Submariner, Namor, uh, Silver Surfer, and Hulk, and there were a lot of others who would go in and out of the Avengers, but they always kind of had more of an edge to them. And the thing, the cool thing about the Defenders is they couldn't always get along. They would just start fighting, and it was a pretty big team at one point. And and you had different people, the Black Knight, and some other folks who were who were really heavily involved in it. They brought it back with those four: uh, Doctor Strange, Namor, Silver Silver Surfer, easy for you to say, and the Hulk. Later on in the nineties, with it, which was a really fun title, there was a moment where because the Hulk and Namor would always end up fighting, and um. Why did my brain stop working all of a sudden? Anyhow, the Hulk and Namor would always end up fighting. And <laughs> and there's a scene where Namor is like, you touch me one more time, Cretan, and you will feel my wrath. And the Hulk's just standing there, and he looks over at him, and he just takes his, he takes his, uh, he takes his finger and just touches his shoulder, and he's like, touch. <laughs> and then a fight ensues while Doctor Strange and Silver Surfer are talking about some stuff. So, um Obviously, this is going to be a lot more dramatic than that. It's obviously going to be uh, these guys coming together, but there's no telling who else from these universes will come into play on this Netflix thing. Netflix has done a great job uh, with their original series. They they really have. 
And I expect no less from Marvel teaming up with Netflix. Marvel Studios doing this stuff. Uh, 13 episodes uh, for each of these things, I believe, leading into like a four-episode miniseries for The Defenders. The rumor right now, I don't know if it's been confirmed, so you can help me out in the chat if you know it's been confirmed. Uh, The rumor right now is that Michael C. Hall from Dexter is in the front-running to... uh, to be Daredevil, to be uh, Matt Murdock. Um, I like that idea. Other names have been thrown around are Jake Gyllenhaal, Josh Hartnett, and uh, Richard Madden. I like the idea of Michael C. Hall. I could see that. I'm okay with that. I don't know. I almost feel like he's too well. I like to see as few well-known actors in these things as possible sometimes. And I like to see... Um, you know, I like to see, I don't like to be distracted by the stars whose faces I know and have seen them in other things, but I think Michael Seahawk pulled off. I'm not a big fan of his, uh, of his voice for Daredevil though. Uh, now Richard Madden, uh, who's the last, uh, name mentioned there is in the series Game of Thrones. I, I know who Jake, I don't think Jake Gyllenhaal would be good. Not, Look, not that he's not a good actor. I'm not saying he's not a good actor. I'm just saying that, again, he's just so well-known. He's just, you know, there's, he's so distinct. Um, Josh Hartnett, same thing, I feel like. But uh, Richard Madden now in uh, Game of Thrones played Rob Stark. Rob Stark, spoiler alert, not going to need to be on that show anymore. So, uh... <laughs> And he's got a great, intense look. Now, the thing with Daredevil is you got to play blind. You've got to play blind. And if... You know, so it doesn't really matter how he does... You know, how... His looks don't matter so much. See, the thing that's the thing about Ben Affleck. Um, ben Affleck, when he played Daredevil, did a fantastic job of not using all of his little tricks that he has because he had to just stare straight ahead most of the time. He had these, you know, he had the contacts on his eyes to kind of give him that, that look that they had, that foggy look because of the, the chemicals or whatever. But he just, he did, he couldn't play the, the stuff that, um, he, he couldn't play the stuff that Ben Affleck usually does. And so it was a new challenge for him. So I think it's going to be interesting. I think I think these shows are going to be really good. I think they're going to... I can't wait for them. I, I think it's going to be fun. And it's going to be super exciting to uh, to, to just have more Marvel stuff. And, and obviously, I don't know, you know, they didn't really talk anything about the budget or anything. These heroes are very street-level heroes. They're not going to need a huge budget. But when they come together as defenders... Oh my gosh, does that mean we're going to have... That means, look, we'll have people like Kingpin. We'll have people like Kingpin. I can't think of anyone. So we'll probably get some... Oh, I don't know. We probably can't get Daily Bugle stuff. Oh, that's so sad. <clears throat> Man. I really think that um that they need to get their mess worked out with Sony Pictures and Spider-Man. So, anyhow... So yeah, that's the Marvel talk. I'm I'm really looking forward to what they're doing with the Marvel universe, and and like I say, I've turned the corner on the whole Agents of Shield thing. So bring it on. 
bring it on is what I say really quickly there is one piece of show prep that I did not do and I feel like an idiot for not doing it so here we go all right uh, the other thing I really want to talk about, and it's one of these things that's got me just kind of giddy, excited. It kind of it brings up a little giggle inside of me when I see it and when I think about it, um, is this whole Transformers The Age of Extinction. Sing it if you know it, everybody. The robots in the sky. Oh, I'm sorry. Got him wrong. That gummit. The robots in the sky. Yes, sir. Transformers making their way back to theaters this summer, or theaters, if you will, and I am stoked. I was stoked after that Super Bowl spot that had Optimus Prime riding a dinosaur. All right. But when Optimus Prime backhands a dinosaur that he's eventually going to be riding, you know it's going to be good stuff. That's all I need. That's all I need. Let's do it right this time. More than meets the eye. Transformers. Robots in disguise. Autobots wage their battle to destroy the evil forces of... Yeah! All right. Anyhow, yeah, Age of Extinction, I have no idea what that's going to do and what it's going to mean, but the whole world has turned against the Transformers, and I thought I'd stop this thing. And... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Live shows, folks. You guys know how to do it. Um, it is... Uh, it is... I am stoked to the gills about this movie. So I'm I'm just... I'm, I'm dead set looking forward to it. Now, I am in the camp of liking the other three Transformers movies. When... When the first one came out, and a lot of people were complaining, I, I still don't know what the complaints are. I, it was, a, you know, there wasn't quite enough robot action for me, and yeah, you didn't, you didn't really get to see too much of them in action, and and yeah, I wasn't a big fan of. We learned your language from the internet. There was a few things here and there, but listen, when Sam is he and and uh, Megan Fox's character, can't remember her name, are running away. They go in that alley. And all these cars have come. Number one, the music was just fantastic. Steve Jablonski uh, did the score for all the movies, and and the and, and the score in the first one was just just fantastic. Um, 
the, the scene where they're all coming to Earth and you don't know who's what and what's who, but they just, you know, they, they, they come in, they land by the pool, they land, you know, in the garage thing. The people are running down the street with the camera making, the, you know, and it, it's kind of jokes. And and meanwhile, Sam's with Bumblebee and, and Bumblebee's just waiting on these other guys to get there. When Optimus Prime rolls up and transforms and he just simply says, I am Optimus Prime. I'm sitting there in the theater and I'm like, heck yes you are. Listen to this music. I mean, you don't have to. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. But just take a listen to this. So, I, I'm telling you, this is such a good, good score by Steve Jablonski on all of these movies. And uh, and, and I'm telling you, the first one, you know, I was a little disappointed they chewed. You know, I, I know what to be disappointed about in these things. But ultimately, what was good about these movies was so stinking good. And I just really dug it. There were a few design choices I didn't like. I didn't have a problem with Bumblebee not being a Volkswagen you know, I like the Corvette thing. He had to be a warrior. You know, they had, what, four or five Autobots they could use at the time because, you know, if for no other reason than, than money and finances. And I don't care what you have to say about Michael Bay. I know a lot of people are mad at him about this whole Turtles thing and everything. He knows how to shoot an action sequence. He knows how to shoot an action movie. <clears throat> I could do a show or a movie of Transformers. I could take a movie with just the robots and be okay with it. But... You know, in a in a live action film, you've got to have that human touchstone to try to make sure that general audience who aren't like me can connect. And they had a pretty solid cast, I feel like, especially the army guys. I really liked all the army guys in the first two movies. Now, with Transformers: Dark of the Moon, no, Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, which was the second one, a lot of people were mad because of the two twins. The truth of the matter is, you take those out, and it's and it is a superb movie. I think so. I love everything from the uh, the plot, even though the plot's a little weird, and you're like, well, how are they doing this? But bringing Jetfire into things, the death of Optimus Prime. I sat there and watched that fight in the woods where he's fighting the Decepticons, and they run him through. And I looked at my friend, I'm like, do I have to see this twice in one lifetime? Do I have to watch Optimus die twice in one lifetime? And the fact that he died protecting Sam, it was just so, so cool. And the whole idea of the Matrix and bringing them back to life and these fallen that had been there before and they're going to try to put out the sun and take the energy of the sun. It was a classic Transformers. Y'all, it's a classic Transformers plot. And the plot to Dark of the Moon, the third one, was taken right out of the original miniseries. Build a space bridge and bring Cybertron to Earth. That's right out of the original Transformers. And it doesn't get any better. It doesn't get any better. Then Sam going into Chicago to save the woman he loves. The Transformers, you think the Autobots are gone. All hope is lost. They're about to be attacked by this thing. And you hear... It gets blown out of the sky. You turn around. There's Optimus Prime just cocking his gun like a big dog. And he says, 
We will kill them all. Let, wait a minute. Let me see if I can really do this. Hold on a second. Let me. I gotta. Let me pull that up. Let me pull that down. Let me pull that. We will kill them all. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. I, it. It was awesome, and I totally dug it. And the fact that you know that he had to take on his mentor, all this great stuff. It was so good. I'm there. I don't care if it is Marky Mark. I don't care if he is saying stuff like, you know, I think we found a transformer. Say hi to your mother for me. I don't. I don't care. I think Mark Wahlberg is a phenomenal actor, and I'm glad to have him in the Transformers franchise now. We're going to get Dinobots. You know, just sit back and enjoy the ride. You know, if you have to... If you go back and you watch the old TV shows, the old cartoons of the Transformers, what you're going to find is some some 80s plots you know you're gonna find transformers in the 80s and and so all i needed was just a good popcorn movie with robots fighting robots and it was awesome the only thing i would change about any of those movies is i'd take those twins out i would i would take those twins out of um of the second one and just be done with it i don't think they were i don't think their humor fit i don't think that um that they were um <clears throat> that I don't I don't know I just don't think their humor, humor fit into the movie at all. I don't I don't like their style of humor. Andy's got a, a Transformers question in the chat. Andy, I've always said you don't have to ask if you can ask a question. Just ask the question. So, um Doc's in playing playing Doc's in after dark tonight. So, why is everyone so excited about Dinobots? Dinobots uh, came about in the first season of the original Transformers. They are robot dinosaurs that turn into robots. Uh, they, and, and they were just really cool. They're super strong, super powerful. And, um, and it's just cool because they're dinosaurs. You, it's just cool. And everyone just really digs their characters and, and how they were. They were never really fully under control of Optimus Prime. They always kind of... They were they were dumb. They were um, they were all about power and being strong, but they were cool. It was it was really cool, and um, and and I think that it's just neat to see them in. I think it's neat to see them in in this movie. So Transformers. Someone has asked my opinion on something else, and I want to go ahead and uh, and bring and bring this up. I don't know. Um, I don't know where it was Carissa and if you if you listen to the Big Honkin show or you listen to know what I'm saying you know that uh Carissa is uh is she explains it all for us and so she asked a question I try to make sure that um that if Carissa wants to talk about something that we make sure we talk about it because she does so much uh for our shows um and to do that I've got to do this Apparently, there is a Rocky musical in the works. Now, you know, Sylvester Stallone, I don't know much about this. I need to Google this while we listen to uh, the Bill Conti music. Um, 
Rocky the Musical. And we're going to check out and see, is this, a, this is actually a thing that's happening? It's a 2012 musical with lyrics and music written by Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Ahrens. With a book by Tom, this was, oh wow, Rocky Das Musical. Set to open in Broadway, in 20, on Broadway in 2014. Oh my Lanta, we've got a review and everything. Yo, I mean, I like I like music, you know. The reason why don't I? I like music. I like music. Yo, I can't sing. I'm not a singer or a dancer, but I like music. Everybody likes music, so I want to be a musical. You know, you want to mute, you want to sing, you want to sing the big song. I'll sing the big song. Yo, Adrian. Do 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 do. Hmm. Oh, come on. It, wait a minute. Let me see if I can. Oh, here we go. The Rocky musical spans the story of one of America's favorite underdogs. We're going to take you back. Some people and they are said to take it back. Sing it, Frank. Take it back like before. That was kind of a staple in, in the first couple of movies. In fact, um, he would sing that with Adrian and Rocky Three. He's like, you sing do-do-do-do. And she's like, do-do-do. No, 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 no. You're doing dodos. You got to do the doo-doos. <laughs> um, here's... Whatever your expectations, this is from Variety.com. Whatever your expectations going into Rocky, you come out rocking the technology. No matter, uh, no mystery about where the $16.5 million capital investment in, went in this musical iteration of the 1976 movie that made an iconic hero of Rocky Balboa. Stephen Flaherty, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, and Lynn Ahrens no doubt took their pittance uh, for scoring the book by Thomas Meehan and Sylvester Stallone, but the real coin for Helmer Alex Timber's extravagant production went into the spectacular projection, sound and lighting effects, and into the scenic showpiece, a regulation-sized boxing ring that puts the audience ringside for the big fight. Looks like it was worth every penny. Everybody knows the story of Rocky Balboa, played by Andy Carl. Uh, I ain't no bum. I ain't no loser. Uh, let me see. I, I'm trying to see. There are two sides of the story, Rocky and Love and Rocky in the Ring, of course. The show opens as it must in fight mode. Mm. Whew. The first act is a soft one. Um, they do have the love story, Act 2. Uh, let me see what they say. The, the fight clock's in about 20 minutes. Oh, my gosh. I want to see this so badly now. Yo, Adrian, I love you. That's Rocky singing to Adrian. <laughs> Yo, Adrian. I'll call Polly. Yo, Polly. Adrian's here with me. Oh, man. All right, let's see what this is here. Let's first look at Rocky on Broadway. 
love wins. It's very much like my life, not being recognized, not having love in my life, just feeling very alone and isolated. So I thought, why don't I take those feelings and put them in the box? The first thing I want to say is I don't know who this girl they've got playing Adrian is, but she looks like Talia Shire. She looks just Margot Siebert. Man, she looks just like Talia Shire. They did a great job. I'm a boxer, and I had no idea that there's so many millions of people that felt the same way. I know the older I'm getting, the more disappears. But I'm hearing your voice in my head saying, so let this go. Rocky's the story of the underdog, the person who always wanted something and never quite was able to achieve that and then uh, gets a second chance in life. Make a new start. Rocky fight from the heart. Rocky fight from the heart. Tremendous emotion who yearn to find one another and to find love and to, to redeem themselves. Something like warm, something like being sheltered from the storm. Rocky's story, I think, is completely universal. And what Rocky's able to achieve when no one believes in him is, you know, a global idea that any of us can uh, do what we dream of if we set our mind to it. What I liked about Rocky is he's just a kind guy. He's not the biggest, he's not the fastest, he's not the strongest, but his pride is so explosive he doesn't win the fight but he wins the love of his life so it's it's quite a wonderful romantic story the fight was not the most important part the part was the heart it's a story that can go on from generation to generation about how everyone is is entitled to a moment of dignity fight from my Man, I got to tell you straight up, um, Vogue is saying it's a theatrical game changer. Rocky just is amazing. Let me, look, I want to just say this right now, all right? I, if there were no Star Wars, Rocky would be my Star Wars. I love the Rocky movies. I absolutely love them from the first one to the sixth one. I think they're all great. The fifth one's a little weaker than the rest of them. We all know that. And everyone, whenever you talk about Rocky, like, well, that fifth one wasn't good. Let's just stop it, all right? Let's just stop saying that. Because the fifth had some real heart in there. The fifth one, when Rick, when when, he, when he's just hallucinating, Mickey's like, get up, because Mickey loves you. I'm like, get up, Rocky. And he's like, yo, Tommy, I hear no bells. And, oh, my gosh. Whew. And then he just he just takes him out. He takes old Tommy out, takes him down, does his thing, does his stuff. And so I'm I'm sold on this product. Like y'all, he he does the running of the stairs, <clears throat> and um and they've got a, a ring and and like there's an audience all the way around it, and you're there and they're fighting and oh I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Let's go to Broadway right now and get tickets. Bucket list. Oh. I I love Rocky. 
That's all there is to it. I love Rocky. And I'll tell you what, a lot of people know they're going to fly now, but this is one of my favorite, just real quick on a side note, this is one of my favorite pieces from Rocky. I'm going to go running now, and when I run, I get sweaty. When I get sweaty, I smell bad. When I smell bad, I have to take a bath. Take a bath, I got to take a bath. So, I'll be back. I'll be back later. Adrian, I'll be back. So, Rocky the Musical, I'm on. I'm on board. I'm on board with the Rocky the Musical. I'm fine. I'm fine with it. So there we go. Bill Conti did the uh, did the music for Rocky, and uh, it's it's iconic. I mean, everything about that uh, <clears throat> that movie and that series of movies is completely iconic. So, all right, gang. Uh, Let's see how long have we been going. I may have to bump some stuff. Ah, uh, we'll take. Oh, we'll do this real quickly. We'll do this one real fast <clears throat> because I definitely do want to talk a little bit about um, the Clone Wars. What just happened? Music cue. No. Clone Wars on the TV. No, um, I actually, I don't understand how that music cue went wrong. I had it clicked on the right thing and everything, and then it brought up the wrong music cue. So that's stupid. Clone Wars Season 6 on the Netflix. If you've not watched, I'm going to try to not uh, spoil too much. But um, I'm telling you straight up, there has not been a solid 13 episodes in a row the way that these episodes were. Now, I still feel a little bit cheated because the Clovis arc belonged in uh, in Season 5. But, uh, but hey, you know what? Everything was, um, was, was done well, especially the last arc, the, the Yoda arc, was so, so, so good. Um, <clears throat> I want to come back to an email... Uh, that we got from Jacob, R2 Jake 2, and this is what he said. He said, uh, the, the Fives and Yoda arc both seem to be direct sequels to Attack of the Clones. Uh, they have direct ties to Episodes 1 and 2, and the revelations in the Yoda arc that foreshadow the future justify the outcome of the prequels. I don't think the prequels needed any justification in their outcome, but I will tell you this right now, that what they pulled off with that Yoda arc story-wise, was incredible. The stuff with sifo you know, that's always been one of my biggest criticisms of Attack of the Clones, is the whole sifo thing. You never really get a, a, a clarity to that mystery. We're, we were always kind of left to really just kind of put our own two cents worth in. And what you find out in the Yoda arc about sifo really clears some things up, but you still have a lot of questions that come from it. What we find out about what causes um, Order 66 
from that Order 66, from the clone, from the from the Fives arc at the beginning of the season, really helps you put in perspective why these guys could suddenly just do what they do in Episode 3. Uh, gosh, to hear Liam Neeson do uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, to, to have even the Jar Jar episodes that were there. Listen, I, and I think that's... I always end up talking about the dumbest stuff when I talk about these things in a big lump like here, like I'm doing here. Um, the Jar Jar episodes really pointed out the biggest problem with Jar Jar in episode one to me. And and Michael Cohen and I have talked about this. I might have even brought it up on a roundtable or, or a declassified when those guys had me on over there. Jar Jar is is best when he has a definitive straight man with him. It's it's uh it, it's a classic um it's it's a classic comedy duo. You've got to have the funny guy and the straight guy. You've got to have those two elements there. And in episode 1 in the Phantom Menace, Jar Jar didn't really have that. He didn't play off of Qui-Gon Jinn. He didn't play off of Obi-Wan. He didn't really play off of Anakin. He just kind of was there. And he and he was silly. Now, understand, I didn't have a problem with Jar Jar. The first time I saw The Phantom Menace, I came out thinking, you know what was really funny to me? When he got his head stuck there in that little, in those, <laughs> in that electric thing, and he's like, my tongue is fat. And then he just gets exasperated. He's like, my tongue is fat. And I'm stuck. Me, I like it. But the these two really gave some depth to his character you know you saw jar jar in love you saw that someone loved jar jar they could see through the klutziness you see that he is someone with a huge heart and and we saw that a little bit even in the season uh two episode i think where he gets deployed to the planet where obi-wan and anakin were being held hostage by hondo anaka and that senator dies, and he takes time to really give a fitting funeral, uh, you know, as much as they can in that emergency situation for that funeral. I think that um, I think that Jar Jar really shone well, though, in these two episodes here in the Clone Wars arc. And you know, it's been said, and I agree, this is Jar Jar's farewell. Probably, we probably won't see him in the sequel trilogy. And I know a lot of people are like, yay! And that's fine, but we probably won't see him. And, and so I think this was a good farewell for him. He got to really shine. There was the clumsiness there. There was the silliness there. Um, it also brought up some stuff about Mace Windu in those arcs. <clears throat> and I really need to sit down. Excuse me. I really need to sit down and do a Steve Star Wars corner strictly about the Jedi from the prequel because I think that the big problem a lot of people have with Mace Windu is they expected Samuel L. Jackson and what they got was Mace Windu. I think that Samuel L. Jackson and George Lucas understood that character more than a lot of fans even to this day do and a lot of our authors do. They really, in, in, in a lot of the books and stuff, they really tried to assign, <coughs> sorry, a lot of... Um, almost dark side tendencies to Mace Windu. When really what it comes down to is he's just a serious stoic Jedi. And I don't think we like that serious stoic Jedi aspect because what we want is the hippie samurai, you know, mesh up of a Jedi. We want we want every Jedi to be Qui-Gon Jinn. We want every Jedi to be uh, Empire Strikes Back Yoda. We want um, 
we that's what we want out of our Jedi, and Mace Windu just is not that. So when we see Mace in these arcs, we really kind of get to understand even more even more of who he is. And 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 uh and he and Jar Jar just play off of each other so well in those two episodes. Um the Clovis arc was cool if you want to see Anakin, you know, drifting toward the dark side. It also is, they're also very political arcs. Anytime that Padme came into the scene, except for a few episodes here and there, uh, you knew you were going to be dealing with a lot of political machinations and that sort of thing. But I thought it was, it was good to hear uh, the, the voice of Ian Abercrombie uh, for Palpatine again. Um, and it was really neat to see Palpatine pulling the strings. All of these episodes had, the, had a dark undertone about what was really taking place in the galaxy in every single one of them. You know, some of them very blatant, some of them a little more subtle, like the Jar Jar arc. But it's very interesting to see these things and see how deep the Clone Wars was getting into the mythology of Star Wars. And it's a thing that I don't know that they're going to be able to do in Rebels because it's a different time, for one thing, but also because I don't... I just don't know. I don't know if... Uh, if, if corporate Lucasfilm is going to have the guts to tell the stories of uh, of independent Lucasfilm, I just don't know. And so that's where I kind of get a little, uh, you know, a little bit anxious about what's coming down the pipe with Rebels and maybe even uh, Star Wars Episode Seven and that sort of thing. You know, we, we still need that casting announcement and confirmation for Star Wars episode seven it's time they're getting ready to shoot in about a month or so just go ahead and um and give us that i'm still very cautiously optimistic about rebels i'm cautiously optimistic about what they're doing with star wars there was something special in the late 80s early 90s even into the mid 90s uh before the resurgent there was something special about being a star wars fan there was something special about going to a bookstore when the books were starting to come out and seeing this whole big old shelf of nothing but Star Trek and just kind of laughing because you knew that Star Wars was so special there were only a few books over here <laughs> for it. And and we've lost that. you know. And now with the plan, the apparent plan, to have not only the episodes 7, 8, and 9, but also these spinoff movies and Disney wanting to keep the movies rolling out, the Star Wars movies rolling out i i just don't want it to be this oversaturated thing i want star wars to always be special i want star wars to always mean something and um and i'm okay if all we ever got again was seven eight nine and then maybe a few uh, a few series here and there like rebels and and that sort of thing but um but i i really i really like uh the idea of revisiting, hopefully revisiting Luke and Han and Leia and Chewie and Lando. I hope we get to see those characters again. And I, and I really feel like they need to just go ahead and let us know what's a happening. You know, what, what's a happening? stuff. I feel like they need to know, go ahead and let us know. And I, and I don't feel like it's going to ruin the movie. I think it's only going to build the hype for the movie. And I know you have people hired and trained and professionals who do this thing for a living, but, if it were me at this point, knowing we're this close to filming, all the deals have to be done. Surely all the deals have to be done. No, they're not, and don't call me surely. 
but hopefully uh, we'll 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 get some of that very very soon. Rebels, I I has potential. I still stand by my trepidation if that's even a thing you can do. I still have a little bit of anxiousness about it, and I hate being that guy. I wish I could just be the Steve that I know and love that's just like, yeah, bring it on, bring it on, you know, but I'm just not there yet. I'm just, just not quite there yet, and I hope to be there. We're going to have to, I'm going to have to get a, uh, a, a Star Wars corner out to the masses for the sole purpose of talking some deep Star Wars stuff that's been on my mind. It really has been on my mind for a while. And, uh, and, and I just don't, I just haven't quite taken the time to sit down and do a Steve Star Wars corner. As you know, the big honking show got bumped for this thing today. So we're doing a geek out loud live. So, uh, I'm sure we'll get a Steve Star Wars corner in there at some point. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. For those of you who are constant listeners to the Big Honkin' Show, the fourth Dave has shown up in the chat. So, uh, you know, you know that it's time to go. Don't forget to check out all of our stuff over at the Goliverse. Mark out loud, rock out loud, know what I'm saying, of course, this is Geek Out Loud. You can email us at geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter, facebook.com slash geekoutloud, twitter.com slash geekoutloud. And we're a proud member of the Shot Glass Digital Radio Network with all kinds of great content over there, including Rebel Force Radio. I want to thank everyone who's joined us in the live chat. We'll be back next time with Derek, with the Muppets. It's going to be a great show. Stick around. Wait a minute. Time out. Hold on. What am I doing? Why? Man. Sorry, guys. I completely, completely forgot one very important thing that I need to do here. And I just, I apologize. I hope you all can forgive me. And I hope you can bear with me. Um, as, uh, as I do once again, on the fly production on the fly, um, artistry right here. I hope you can all bear with me as we do a quick bad impersonations theater. And now... Bad Impersonations Theater. Featuring the President's speech from Independence Day. As performed by Bob Dylan. Hey! Good morning! In less than half an hour... Aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind. That word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate 
Now today is the 4th of July, and you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live, to exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. And that was Bad Impressions Theater, featuring Bob Dylan as the president from Independence Day. All right. <laughs> so sorry. Christopher Tictional says, can we, do a, can, <laughs> can we do a Kickstarter to get Steve to never do that voice again? Let's end it this way since we're doing it live. Once again, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank everybody for joining us. It's been a great night. I hope that you've enjoyed the show. If you're listening to us uh, uh, on the podcast feed, please make sure that you head over to BigHonkinShow.com. Find Big Honkin Show on the, on the iTunes. Leave us a review and a rating. Listen, check out the Big Honkin Show. Join us live when you can. And if you... Uh, subscribe to geek out loud and you haven't reviewed us do so leave a rating and review for us so that people can know about their safe place to geek out thanks again to everyone who hung out in the live chat tonight i don't feel like you derailed me too much and you should be ashamed of yourselves for trying look for mark out loud rock out loud know what i'm saying all on the geek out loud feed coming soon a steve star wars corner and man, oh man, just wait till you hear on the Big Honkin' Show what we're planning to do as it pertains to the Guinness Book of World Records. My name's Steve Glosson. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud. <laughs> <laughs>